0: Well hey there and welcome to our second episode of Meet the Band where we are interviewing each of our instrumentalists to get to find out a little bit more about their background, uh, how they came to Christ, more of their stories, and a little bit more. My name is Luke Austin and I serve as worship pastor here and I am so thrilled to have with us Mr. Kirby Chittenden. Kirby, most Sundays, is the guy that is right behind the keyboards making all those mysterious sounds, but he is also a very accomplished organist. He is an insatiably musical. musical Pianist, I love the way that you play the piano, man. He leads our IT ministry. He established a communication ministry right here to help the staff get our, uh, our house in order. He served a couple of years on the worship development team. He's done 4,000 small projects that I can't even begin to describe for you that has touched literally every area of ministry here in the church. He and his son Jeff are one of the major factors that kept our church together during COVID with their IT ministry, and he continues to be a, a visionary uh, with us in the future of our church, and I'm really blessed and excited to have such a faithful partner in ministry with him in my time here. Of course, he preceded me uh, here. See, he's a great husband, a great father, a great mentor, and a great servant. Kirby Chittenden, mm. welcome. Thank you, Luke. It's good to be here. <laughs> good. Congress. I'm glad. So I'm just... Did you like my intro there? Oh, oh pretty amazing. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't even know all of that information. Oh, good. No, okay. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm just just thrilled. Uh, so I'm going to do a couple of rapid-fire questions okay. just so our, our, our group here can get to know who you are just in some detail, and, and then a little, we'll talk a little bit later about uh, just some, some deeper things and your involvement in the worship ministry more specifically. So, All right. First, where were you born and exactly how long ago? I'm just kidding. Uh, I
1: I may (laughs) remain elusive on the exact date. Um, The place was Grand Haven, Michigan, actually. Grand Haven, okay. And I know that the year I was born, the annual average income was about $4,000. Oh, my goodness. And the price of a gallon of gasoline was only 22 cents. So you figure it out for (laughs) me.
0: Well, I'll do the backwards
1: math there (laughs) in my head.
0: 19, (laughs) maybe 18. No, 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 no.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about your parents and your, and your family background? Well, I was adopted uh, when I was three weeks old. Oh, wow. Uh, born in Grand Haven, and the local judge called my parents, uh, actually on April Fool's Day, and told them he had a baby boy that uh, was uh, in need of uh, a family. And uh, my dad wasn't exactly sure if he should believe him on April 1st, but, oh. uh, <laughs> you know... Um, Hey, next thing I knew, I was living in Spring Lake and a part of a large clan of Chittenden's. Wow. Uh, so that, that's pretty exciting. That is an amazing thing. <laughs>
0: okay, where did you go to college and what uh, kind of degrees do you have or degree? I don't
1: know. Um, spent a lot of time at Grand Valley State University. Grand Valley State, yes, um, just down the road. <laughs> yes, not far from here. And uh, I got my first degree in behavioral science, and uh, then in group social studies as I started to lean towards education, and then eventually obtained a master's degree in education.
0: All right, so you so. have three three different degrees. Well, you did spend quite a bit. Like that. Yes, a lot of time there. Oh, really? Um, so you've had a very fascinating career history in your life. Tell us a little bit about some of those past ventures and then this trailblazing current venture that you
1: are you are on. Um, well, like I mentioned. Um, i started playing uh the organ uh when i was i think 12 years old and eventually became uh, a member of the staff at what is now All Shores wesleyan church okay uh, i think that was my probably my first full-time job and then um i migrated into the world of education i was fortunate to secure a job with grand haven area public schools and taught uh, elementary education fifth and sixth grade mostly uh, for 33 years 33 years wow. uh, just a, a great journey great people to work with same um, school uh, three different schools Three actually. different schools but yes. all in the same district all in the same district okay and um, a lot of changes during those 30 33 I years. can but, imagine you know, um, just a great journey great people um, worked with some wonderful principals and leadership at the time and uh, um just can't say enough about that whole experience wow Um, and then uh actually the last year of my teaching um my son and i were in discussion about the possibility of starting a company actually i had launched a company in the 1990s um, and uh, took a year's leave from education to help them but this was closer to home now that uh jeff had an interest in in relocating back to the lakeshore area Mm -hmm. And I was already doing some subcontracting or some, um, I guess, uh, consulting work at the time, and, and Jeff was doing the same. So I suggested we just put it together. And so that last year, we sort of had a soft start with Dunwood Technology Solutions. And um, it gave me uh, an exit plan, I guess. Of right. Education. Oh. I needed to have something. I'm not one who's just going to sit still uh, <laughs> for very long, anyway. Sure. So um, yeah, Dunewood Technology Solutions was born, and um, it's been been a great three years for us. So. I was about to say, has it already been three years that you has, guys? Yes.
0: How has COVID impacted this this IT uh,
1: business? Uh, The technology and the need for technology during COVID, during the pandemic was and continues to be extremely great um, individually, um, but also in the companies that uh, we partnered with, a lot of them saw a need to improve their infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And so we uh, had a number of projects for a number number of business partners in in regard to infrastructure and, uh, and IT during COVID. So. I guess in a sense we were in the right place maybe at the wrong time, uh, but um, we've been blessed with, with, with good business, and um, it, it's, it's been wonderful. I enjoy it.
0: Well, good. I'm glad. Again, like you said, you kept, you kept the church together when Thank we were you. all locked down. I'm so very, very grateful for, for that. Well, tell us about your immediate family. You're married, mm-hmm. and you have children. What, what are Susan and Jeff and Shelby doing <sighs> with their lives? <laughs>
1: Susan is retired from teaching. She taught for 30 years with Muskegon Public Schools, and she's currently working with um, a handicapped adult, but also doing some uh, tutoring with several, two or three students at this time. Um, Jeff is working with me, of course, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he's 31 years old now. And Shelby is 29 years old. Shelby is our daughter, mm-hmm. uh, sweetest little girl on the planet. Just love her. And she is gainfully employed. If you haven't met
0: Shelby, you, you're missing out. <laughs> <No>. oh, <laughs> she's oh, the thank greatest. You. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so, how did y'all land at Forest Park?
1: Oh, that's easy. Uh, actually, Pastor Russ Carlson um, called, and he said. Kirby, we really are in need of a new website. And I um, had been doing some consulting and some work on the site as a teacher. And so we got together, and uh, all of a sudden it happened. And through my research, I discovered that this was a pretty cool place. Yeah. Uh, and who so, who is this covenant people? What, yeah, what's who, going on here? Who are, are here? these covenant people, and <laughs> what is this church all about, really? Yeah. And so um, we were drawn in. We we really enjoyed um, seeing what the church was doing. I I think. One of the first Sundays we were here, there were representatives, um, residents from the Mary and Joseph House. Yes. Having a daughter who is developmentally disabled, uh, their testimony and their singing just, just uh, spoke intensely to me mm. that Sunday, and uh, I think that's what did it. That's and, awesome. Uh, we've been here for a long time. Yeah. you know how long you've been here? Uh, I'm guessing somewhere between 10 and 15 years, Okay, I'm not very good with that. Matter.
0: Sure, yeah. Can't remember when you moved in, but you've been, been here that long. That's, right. that's great. Well, you got to tell us about your most recent vacation that you went on.
1: Oh, my goodness sakes. We spent... Uh, nine days in the ne- Netherlands, the and Netherlands. we almost didn't make it. In fact, it, the trip was on, and then the trip was off, and then the Dutch government decided that we did not have to quarantine for 10 days. On the very day we left, uh, that went away. Uh, in fact, the flight attendants on the Delta flight to the, to Amsterdam didn't even know about that, and they were passing out papers that required us to register and to Whoa. quarantine. Uh, I already had the papers with me just in case. And I mean, no problem, um, because when we arrived in Amsterdam, there was no requirement for a 10 day quarantine. And that's rather difficult to do when you have a nine day vacation. No, yeah, no kidding. You know, <laughs> so, uh, we were, we were set to go. My nephew, um, Nathan Stefanoski, married a Dutch girl. Uh, they had met on a hiking excursion in Vietnam and things. Yeah. What? Just of all places, both very adventurous people and, uh, <laughs> So we were going to their wedding. Um, My entire family, Jeff, Shelby, Susan, and Susan's parents as well. So six six of us took off and found ourselves in the region of Zeeland. Looks like Zeeland, but Uh uh, the Dutch say Zeeland. Zeeland. (laughs) Zealand. And uh, in a number of small villages there, Uh, we stayed in Oostkapel and the wedding. Was uh, in a region near where the bride and the groom live in Middleburg. Okay. Um, wonderful country, wonderful people, uh, we're ready to go back. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, I told Jeff, I think we need to have a, a Doonwood, um, you know... Annual retreat. A, a, a annual retreat or something, <laughs> or, or, or maybe a, a satellite office Yeah, uh, we, in the, in the, the
0: Netherlands. The pictures and the videos, I had yeah. no idea the Netherlands were that stunning. I yeah. probably should have, but it looked just so we're all very jealous. Um, um, uh, switching gears here, talk about your faith life. Who introduced you to the concept of, of God, and more specifically specifically, Jesus?
1: Uh, my sister and I were the, the first kids uh, in Sunday school at what is now All Shores Wesleyan Church, uh, way back in 1959 when that church okay. uh, launched as a project of Holland Central Wesleyan Church. Uh, Pastor Rod Smingy... Um, Took me on, I think, as a mission project. He uh, literally moved next door to me, and so our family was very close to the oh, Smingy family. And okay. So he was not only my pastor, but my neighbor right. and a friend uh, who saw me through some, you know, some challenging years as a, as a young teenage boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, very supportive, um, and um, so Pastor Ron was probably very significant, most significant person in, in helping me come to the faith. That's awesome.
0: When did Jesus really become real for you? Like a relationship saying, you know what? I am all in. I am I'm gonna be a disciple of Jesus
1: oh i remember i think it was the summer of 1969 i was actually playing organ at our church camp and attending the church camp for the summer Mm -hmm. and a speaker from youth for christ was there uh, dick Wynne, and he challenged me like i had never been challenged before and i thought wow this is pretty amazing stuff and i it was at that point i just said i'm in um you know i remember july 1969 uh, 16 years old i think and um, it was an exciting time for me, but there was, you know, a specific time. Wow! So it was like s- a, there was a moment. Oh in yeah, there you went. Yeah. Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm all uh, in. I'm on board, totally. Wow! Yes.
0: So that's 51 years of being a, a believer. Well, let's not for talk you. about that <laughs> math. <sure> I mean, <laughs> 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 uh, something like that. Oh my goodness! So in that journey of 51 years, have, have there been a couple of ways how you've seen God's work and His His presence in in your life throughout this time?
1: I think throughout that time the major focus on defining Christianity to me was that it was relational Uh, Mm. and I started to adopt uh, a relational theology in my own thinking okay and and a theology of renewal the Holy Spirit renewing uh, us on a day-to-day to -to hour-by-hour basis yeah Um, and so I think that was that focus on relationships and learning that early on. I mean, not only my relationship with God through Christ, but the relationship with His people. Yes. Uh, well, that's very covenant of you, you know. Oh. So
0: we have a the relational heartbeat uh, yes. is really it, that's probably what attracted you oh, to, yes. to the covenant well, I church. I could see
1: that here. It was yeah. it was very obvious that uh, the relational component of. of Of this church was uh, at Mm -hmm. the forefront.
0: Yes, very much so. I mean, if you enter into a relationship with a covenanter, it's going to be after you, you're going to be after one to break it off, because a covenanter (laughs) ain't going to happen, man, because we just have that that heartbeat of the reconciling father, you know, of God all the way back to creation. It's just... That's, that's what I love about the Covenant Church as well. Yes. Very indeed, cool. Thanks yeah. for that. So let's, let's talk about music. When did you get your start in music? You said organ uh, when you were 12, but...
1: actually started when I was five years old. Um, I started taking organ lessons from the organists at Spring Lake Presbyterian Church. All right. And we had a, had a large house in the village and he was actually renting a room upstairs. And he decided that hey, uh, he talked to my dad, and would your son be interested in taking organ lessons for a dollar an hour? And um, <laughs> oh, my dad said, hey, you know, it. let's see, let's yeah, I think that might work out. You know, <laughs> um, and believe it or not, his name was Jonathan Winters uh, uh, of all you know uh, of all, all people to, uh, and not the uh, Jonathan Winters of television fame, but uh, sure you know, of Spring Lake fame. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> so um, that's where it started, I guess, um, and then. Um, it just, it sort of went from there. Uh, so you, what which instruments do you play there? Uh, started with organ. Uh, it was electronic organ at first and pipe organ, uh, then uh, acoustic piano, um, and then synthesizers. Um, yeah.
0: So for, for the, the laymen out there, can you explain at least how you think about each of those instruments differently and what roles that they play? Because most people just
1: look at it, oh, it's a keyboard, it's all <laughs> the same, and they're just like... No.
0: No, it's not
1: <laughs> the same at all. I think... Th- uh, the most challenging for me is is possibly the pipe organ uh, because it's it's two hands, two feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, your brain has to figure out exactly what sounds you want coming through those pipes. Those are registrations, and those settings are rather critical. Right. So things sound a bit normal anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a real challenge. There's so much multitasking going on, and so much brain power required for yes. that. It almost hurts uh, to watch. Oh my goodness <laughs> sakes! At times, it's, it even it, it hurts to participate. You know, and to 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 do that. Job correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the acoustic piano. Uh, I, I migrated from organ to the acoustic piano, and it was really different because all of a sudden you have sustain, you have arpeggios, you have things like that that you hammer with instead yeah, of have, instead hammers. of pipes, right? <laughs> Exactly. And then when the um, you know my involvement with computers um, came um, after high school and early college. I was really interested in things like the Moog synthesizer and the various sounds. Uh, Switched On Bach was an album that changed my life. Ooh, all right, fantastic. And so, um, yeah, I have a couple synthesizers, and those are the keyboards that I primarily uh, play. Uh, Setting registrations there too. You know, we may have six or seven songs, but every song has. A different part of that computer uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and you know you and i sit in rehearsal i'm going hey slow down right. you know, guitar dude uh Cur- this keyboard Cur- player Cur- always like, Excuse me, computer computer
0: <laughs> needs to be set yeah right exactly <laughs> that's all the time uh so you you started playing organ at 12 when did you start playing in in big church
1: oh my goodness sakes um uh in, define big church. You mean uh, like
0: leading in corporate worship?
1: Oh, okay. I, I think when I was when I, when I was seventeen, I started uh, a youth choir, and that choir evolved into, into eighty singers, and we wow. traveled throughout Michigan in the Midwest some, and so uh, we were a bit ahead of the game. Um, We actually eventually incorporated um, live instrumentation, uh, what we would call a praise band today. Those terms were not used at that time. Sure. Uh, So, um, and we were leading people in worship. Mm-hmm. And, and we're talking this is probably the late 70s or early 80s right um so uh you know contemporary christian music was just a new new form of of music at that time right uh, but um so i think it was yeah probably uh you know the 70s and 80s i was really involved in that a lot in very cool leading people in worship all right so late
0: late teens early early 20s is yeah. kind of when you mm-hmm. were getting into the leadership role uh, switch it back to being an instrumentalist. What, what what goes on in your head and in your heart whenever
1: you're actually making music, whenever you're actually playing an instrument? My behavioral science background would probably define it as a state of flow, uh, where, where you're immersed in something so intensely that everything else does not exist, I think. mm mm-hmm. um, There have been many times like that and and I love that because uh, especially in this day and age when distractions are so prevalent uh, Mm -hmm. to be able to be immersed in something and uh, and that immersion allows you to be so effortless in what you do. that's pretty amazing. And I think that sort of defines what worship is. Um, it's, it's not something that's contrived on our part. It, it happens as a part of our being and, and, and as a part of our immersion into uh, that relationship with Christ. Oh, that's a really great way mm-hmm. of explaining
0: that. that. We are immersed just like a, an instrumentalist. Yes, uh, is, is so focused on on making great music. Okay. So I know that playing instruments and being involved in several different uh, worship ensembles and, and leadership roles over the years has given both joys and headaches for you. It has for me, anyway. Oh, yes. I don't know, but yeah. I don't. Can you can you uh, reflect a little bit on you know what's been a headache, and then follow that up with what currently gives you the most joy in the leadership role you have here
1: in making music. I'm not one that likes to categorize music into like contemporary music or traditional music. Okay. Uh, There are great songs, worship songs, Mm. that are hundreds of years old. Yes. There are some pretty bad worship songs (laughs) that are hundreds of years old. And that's the same in regard to music of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and currently. I mean, there are some great songs that you've introduced that are literally several months old. Mm-hmm. And uh, once I get to know those and what I do in, in the musical aspect of it becomes effortless, uh, they have great meaning for me. Uh, I do like the familiarity of, of tunes, sure. uh, whether that's a hymn or something more current. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, I think that helps me to worship more than anything. So, sure. Uh, I sight read well, but if I really know the song mm-hmm. and can provide some improvisation every time I play it, yeah, I'm in that zone. I like yeah, that. it's yeah. always more fun when you know the song,
0: right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, and yes. it's usually very rare that we get bored of the good ones. Oh, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Yes, for sure. What do Sunday mornings and our worship gatherings mean to you? What, what's going on whenever we worship together on a Sunday in, in your in your head?
1: I like active participation on the part of a congregation. Uh, That's why being inside in a setting where, particularly this setting, where there's uh, a good acoustical environment and you hear people singing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've had conversations Mm -hmm. about the people knowing what they are singing uh, and the singability of a particular song and how important that is. But when they kick back, and everything's happening and there's this sphere of sound and worship um, in the sanctuary it's it's wonderful it's absolutely wonderful yeah there's like something
0: that. absolutely mesmerizing about yes. God's people I think it's the most beautiful sound on earth so when you think about corporate worship and uh, our gatherings that we have here at Forest Park how do you specifically think about your role as an instrumentalist and
1: as a worship leader I think Drawing people in to what worship really is, I, I I look at worship as somewhat of a rehearsal for eternity. Mm. Um, we're going to spend a lot of time, <laughs>
0: yes, we doing are doing that, <laughs> right?
1: Uh, and the more we prepare and rehearse, in a sense, um, and so I I look at my role uh, is not one to distract, but to again to help with the team to to lead people into into worship and. Into immersion uh, of the experience, mm-hmm. um, I, it almost sounds simplistic, but it's rather challenging. It is very
0: challenging because, yeah. especially as a performer, you you it's it's innate that you want to go out instead of right instead of bringing in. And I like what you touched on there of uh, it feels like heaven. Right, that's what. Whatever, whenever we gather corporately, it all—it's a taste of what heaven is going to be like, and I think that's one of the reasons it's so powerful. Oh, And it, it's easy to get lost in our own our own role as instrumentalists or even as worship leaders because you're just experiencing this this mystical thing mm-hmm. where where Christ's presence is so real. And when that's going to be fully realized, that's something really to look forward to. Do you? I find it difficult as as a leader and I wonder if you find this difficult as well to really focus on being a worshipper instead of instead of really fully engaging in Oh man I missed this transition my part in the ensemble uh, what oh man a, a B flat
1: how do you how do you think through that aspect well, when we play songs in the key of G flat, uh, <laughs> that's awkward. I know you, I mean, uh, uh, you, you got blasted this last <laughs> I, week I for those get key selections, you know, but uh, we're just used to it now, you know. But right. uh, again, it's that whole effortless uh, kind of thing. It's, it's like downhill skiing. Uh, I, I didn't learn how to downhill ski, ski until I was in college. But my first experience was to go by myself to a bunny hill in Grand Haven with no one around that knew me, hopefully, because I absolutely was not comfortable. It Mm. was far from effortless. Right. Um, So I want what I do to be as effortless as possible. I like that. uh, I'm not focused on the mechanics of the settings. Uh, the key we and the uh, the fact that we've got three endings here in a uh, coda mm-hmm. right um so that word effortless it's like downhill skiing there was a point finally that it became effortless that you cro- for it me. crossed over yeah, at some point you know, okay I, I got off the chairlift without killing myself, sure. and I got down the hill without sure. without dying. Do you remember
0: where in your musical career, in your worship leading, that kind of, or did it just kind of all of a sudden?
1: Oh yeah, I can I can worship now and and play. Mm-hmm. Probably when I started working with uh, the youth choir and several choirs, uh, children's choirs. Mm-hmm. Um, All of that just seemed to be real natural, and I could, uh, if I'm working with them um, and and bringing out song uh, from their voices, uh, um, I was just so much in the moment, uh, practicing his presence, I like that phrase. Yes. Uh, And so there are many times uh, during uh, those choral, uh, collaborations, that um, there was that uh, sense of being in his presence more than ever. Awesome. Hmm. Well, one last question, Kirby. Here, What
0: is your greatest hope for the people of Forest Park whenever you are playing an
1: instrument and leading worship? What are, what are you hoping for them? Well, based on what I said, I think it's real simple. Um, they don't see me or hear me. They see and hear God Mm. uh, through that worship. I think that's what's important. Uh, I really don't want to get in the way, and um, I don't want to draw attention to myself by any means. I want to be a part of the experience, so that's important as well. I I trust that's not selfish, but I uh, would also hope and pray that those that are worshiping with us um, corporately are. you know very much a part of the experience and that they're not seeing me or just hearing me right that they see god and hear god through, yeah through what we do amen amen well kirby you are such a blessing thanks Liz. thank you for
0: your serving here uh, your tireless efforts that have uh, undergirded so much of what we do and it's a great privilege to be your friend and to have you as part of our worship team thank you kirby chittenden everybody